Hi there. Welcome to the 39th episode of Stories That Made Us, the podcast where we discuss myths and legends from cultures and civilizations around the world. This week, we recount the tale of the Norse, who were also called Norsemen or Vikings, depending upon the era under discussion. The Germanic-speaking Norse people lived in Scandinavia and other parts of Northern Europe between 200 and 700 AD. After 700 AD, when they began raiding and settling in Britain, Iceland, Greenland, and elsewhere, they were generally referred to as Vikings, who came to prominence in the 9th and 10th centuries. Different versions and offshoots of their myths spread into the countries they inhabited, especially, for example, Britain and Germany. Many myths that we call Anglo-Saxon were influenced by Norse myths, as were the myths of Germany contained in works such as Nibelungenlied. The primary source of the myths of the Norse people, including the creation myth, is Iceland, where the old Norse religion remained in force long after the rest of Europe had been Christianized. It was not until the year 1000 that the Icelandic assembly voted to replace the old religion with Christianity. The Norse myths that we know of now are contained in the Icelandic text called the Younger Edda or the Prose Edda, compiled by the Icelandic historian Snorri Sturluson in about 1200 AD. Snorri's work is based on much older works from the oral tradition and from the Elder Edda or the Poetic Edda, which was written down between the 9th and 12th centuries and rediscovered in 1643. This Elder Edda is sometimes called the Edda of Seamund because it was wrongly attributed to Seamund Sigfusson, a writer of the 12th century. The Norse creation myth, as retold by Snorri in the Eddaic poem The Voluspa, is an animistic myth centering on the ice giant Ymir, from whose dismembered body the world was made. So then, let's begin with the wondrous tale of the Norse. Long ago, King Gilfi ruled what is now Sweden. He learned from a wise old woman about the Aesir, the gods who live in Asgard. Gilfi disguised himself as an old man, deciding to call himself Gangleri, and made his way to Valhalla. There, he met the High One, who answered his various questions about the world and its origins. The High One told Gangleri thus, In the beginning, long before Earth had come to existence, there was Niflheim, a primordial world, the homeland of darkness, cold, mist and ice. In this unforgiving land lay a well named Vergelmir, which spouted out cold and venomous streams known as the Elivagar. This land 
Niflheim was to the north, whereas to the south was Muspel or Muspelheim. In Muspelheim, the land was scorched and bare. It was a land of eternal burning, uninhabitable for any outlander. Midway between these two cosmological opposites lay a yawning gulf, a crossless void, the Ginnungagap. From the north, from Niflheim, the Elivagar, the waves of the cold streams and poisonous vapor flew south, forming ice and frost along its way. Whereas from the south, from Moosebell, Billowing flames flew north, burning all it passed. The two streams met in Ginungagap, and amid all the hissing and sputtering that accompanied the meeting of the opposites, arose the giant Ymir, the first of all creatures. He is the ancestor of all giants and the creator of heaven and earth. Once, when the giant Ymir slept, the perspiration from under his left arm birthed a man and a woman, and from his feet came forth his son, Brugelmir. Meanwhile, the Alivagar or poisonous cold streams of Niflheim continued to send out frost, and from this frost, the cow, Atumala, came forth. Ymir got his nourishment from the milk of this cow, and Atumla herself fed on the salt from the frost-covered stones. On the first day that she licked the stones, there came forth a man's hair. The next day, a man's head. On the third day, a whole man stood. His name was Buri, and he was fair tall and mighty. He is the first of the Aesir, or the tribe of gods. He had a son named Bor, who married the giant Bolthorn's daughter, Bestla. Together, they had three sons, half Aesir's and half giants. These sons are Odin, Vili, and Vey. The three brothers lived in the great void, where nothing was created nor destroyed. Creation had come to a halt, and yet much was desired to be created. The universe demanded the sacrifice of Ymir for creation to continue. And so, it fell upon the three half-Aesirs and half-giants to destroy Ymir. A task, though brutal, was necessary for life. So the three tricked and wounded Ymir, and in doing so, the blood that flowed from the giant's wounds caused an immense flood, drowning all the giants, with the exception of his grandson, Bergelmir, the son of Brugelmir, and his wife, who floated on a boat fashioned of a tree trunk. The three Aesirs, Odin, Vili, and Vey then carried Ymir's body to Ginnungagap and created the world as we know it.
The Poetic Edda, speaking of the creation of the world, says this. From Ymir's flesh the earth was shaped, and from his blood the sea, the mountains from his bones, trees from his hair, and from his skull the sky, and from his eyelashes the kindly gods made Midgard for the sons of men, and from his brain were the forbidding clouds all shaped. The sky was held on top of the earth by four dwarves who themselves were created from the body of Ymir, and they, representing the four corners of the world, are aptly named North, East, South and West. The three Aesir's Odin, Vili and Ve then took the sparks from Muspel and placed them everywhere in Ginungaga, thus illuminating the world. It is these sparks that form the sun, the moon and the stars. It is through these heavenly bodies that the men of Midgard fashioned the computation of time. The earth that was formed is a sphere encircled by the impassable giant ocean. In this ocean dwells Jormungandr, the great serpent, the one so huge that he encircles the world entirely. The coast of this land is Jotunheim, the lands of the chaotic and destructive giants. They are forbidden from going inland by the eyelashes of the giant Ymir. It is here that the three gods constructed Midgard, the land of men. In the land of giants that was Jotunheim dwelt a swarthy man named Nor, with his daughter Nott. She married Deling, a descendant of Bor, who was the son of Buri, and they had a son Dag, who was light and handsome. Odin took the fair son and the dark-complexioned mother and set them up in heaven, over which they had to drive their chariots every day, thus creating day and night. Not the mother comes first with her steed, Rimfaxi, whose foam at the mouth flies down the earth as dew. Then comes Dag, riding on his steed, Skinfaxi, whose mane lights up the sky and the earth below. A man named Mundilfari had two children. So beautiful and fair were they that Mundilfari's bride knew no bounds, and he named the girl Sol and the boy Mani, after the moon and the sun itself. Offended by Mundilfari's audacity to compare his children to the sun and the moon, the gods took his children and placed them in the heaven, where they were forced to drive the chariots carrying the moon and the sun. Sol guides the sun through the sky, and Mani the moon. They are both, however, chased by two wolves, Skull and Hati, in the sky, and thus they have to travel swiftly. A time will come, the Norse mythology says, when the wolves shall catch up to Sol and Mani, killing and swallowing them. This would be the end of the day and the night, and will signal the beginning of Ragnarok.
In the meantime, Raceveld, the body destroyer, a mighty giant in an eagle's form, sits in the north at the end of the heaven. He creates the bellows of winds with the blustering strokes of his wings. He thus is the creator of the wind. The rainbow or the colored bridge called Bifrost or Asibro is the gateway between heaven and earth. Over this bridge ride the gods to their assembly in heaven, except for Thor, who takes a different route, arriving through the streams beneath. If Thor should ever drive over the bridge with his chariot, Asipro would break down and be decimated by fire. At the end of the bridge, up in the mountains of heaven, dwells Heimdall, the one who guards the bridge against the giants. In addition to giants, gods and men, other creatures were also created, chief among them being the dwarves and the elves. The dwarves were small, ugly creatures but possessed great wisdom and skills. Some of them dwelt in stones and others in earth. They were created from the blood and bones of two giants whom the three Aesirs had slain. Another version of the story is that they came to existence like maggots from the flesh of the slaughtered Ymir. Nothing specific is told of the elves except that they were kind towards Aesir and men. They were called the Light Elves. Dark Elves were also mentioned, but they were cruel creatures who soon came to be known as evil spirits. Once, the sons of Thor, the three Aesirs, Odin, Vili and Vey were walking along the beach, where they happened to find two trees. The gods pulled the trees by the roots and fashioned two human beings from them. One, a man, and the other, a woman. Odin gave them soul and life. Vili gave them understanding and the power of motion. And Vey gave them visage, speech, hearing, and sight. After that, the three Aesirs, pleased with their creation, gave the man and the woman names and clothes to wear. The man they called Ask, and the woman Embla. They were tasked to live in Midgard and populate the land with a race of men. Now the gods, they built for themselves, in the midst of the world, a castle which they called Asgard. Odin married Frigg, and from them descended the gods, or the race of Aesir. No Norse myth about the creation of the world is complete without a reference to the Yggdrasil, the tree that holds the many realms. In the middle of the world, or cosmos if you like, stands this great tree, the Yggdrasil, or Odin's horse. This tree is the largest and the best of all trees. The branches spreading themselves over the whole world 
rising high up over the heavens. The roots, meanwhile, extending in three different directions, each enclosing three different realms. One root extends to the realm of gods, the second among the frost giants, and the third over Niflheim. Under the third root, the one that encompasses Niflheim is the well Vergelmir, where the icy cold winds and venomous streams blow. Under the second root, among the frost giants, lies Mimir's well, the well of wisdom. Under the first root, in the realm of gods, is the sacred spring Ud's well. Here, the gods hold court and deliberate upon all worlds. Adjoining the well is a beautiful hall where the Norns or the three Fates reside. Named Ut, Verthandi, and Skuld, the three Fates frame the destinies of all. The Norns sprinkle this great ash tree named Yggdrasil every day with the waters from the Ut's well, so that it may thrive and prosper. The water being so pure that everything it touches turns completely white. Of the animals that grace this mighty tree, it is said that a very clever eagle sits on the branches, between whose eyes sits a hawk. Up and down among the branches darts a squirrel, Datatos, and carries hateful words between the eagle, perched on the branches, and Nithog, a dragon residing in the roots. It is also said that four deers run between the branches and eat the leaves of the tree, and also that in Vergelmir there are so many serpents that no one can count them. Now the Yggdrasil holds the nine realms of the universe. So let's discuss these nine realms before we end our podcast. The Asgard, or the realm of the gods, is a beautiful world centered in the heavens. It is connected with Midgard, or the realm of man, with a rainbow bridge known as Bifrost, and is guarded eternally against giants and demons. Asgard is the home of the Aesir, or the gods. These gods warred with other gods, the Vanir, eventually making peace and exchanging hostages to maintain that peace. Asgard is a great celestial city of high towers, resplendent gardens, and eternal beauty. Surrounding this heavenly city is a great wall with high watchposts. The realm also houses Odin's famous hall, the Valhalla, where the brave and fallen heroes of battles reside. Also in Asgard is Hildskjalf, from where Odin can gaze over the entire world. Not far from Asgard is the realm of the elves called Alfheim, presided over by the Vanir god Freyr, one of the hostages sent to Asgard as a part of the exchange at the conclusion of the world the elves are magical beings, bright and beautiful, 
They are masters of art, music, and creativity. Hell, also known as Helheim, is a dark, gloomy, and treacherous place presided over by Hell, the daughter of Loki and the sister of Fenrir the Wolf. This realm is surrounded by a gigantic wall with only one gate and can only be reached by travelling downhill on a long windy path known as Helveg, and then crossing a dangerous river of weapons. The realm consists of souls that did not die in battles and included those who died of disease or old age. In time, it became the most populous realm of death. Jotunheim, also referred to as Utgard, is the realm of giants and frost giants and is located near both Asgard and Midgard. Jotunheim is considered to be a place of chaos, magic, and untamed wilderness. Loki is one of its most prominent residents. It is a realm best considered to be left alone. Jotunheim is separated from Asgard by the river Ivan, which never freezes and is difficult to cross. Although, Odin did travel to Jotunheim, to Mimir's Well of Wisdom, and Thor also went there to the stronghold of the giant Utgarda Loki. Midgard, of course, is the realm of man the only realm that is visible to humans. The gods or Aesir's particularly favor this land and its inhabitants, of course, having created the humans in the first place. Humanity is portrayed as helpless creatures, easy prey for giants. It is Ymir's eyelashes, which, in the form of cliffs and strong barriers, protect Midgard from Jotunheim and the great invasion of giants. Nidavellir, or Svartalfheim, is the realm below Midgard, deep in earth and is the home to the industrious and wise, if not peculiar and odd, dwarves. It is a dark, smoky place, lit only by fires from the forge and torches on the wall. The dwarves are associated with craftsmanship and magic. Muspelheim or Muspel is the primordial realm of fire. This land is south of Niflheim and is instrumental in the creation of the universe. The fire giant Sutur lives in this realm and will emerge at Ragnarok to destroy Asgard and the creation as we know it. Niflheim Along with Muspel is the oldest realm, the primordial land of snow, ice, frost and mist. It is the confluence of Niflheim and Muspel that created all life. It is a cold, misty and desolate realm, also housing Vergelmir, the well that spouts poisonous and cold streams. Finally, Vanaheim is the home of the Vanir, another family of Norse gods who were associated with fertility and magic. The Aesir went to war with the Vanir, which resulted in a stalemate 
eventually ending up in peace. The sea god Njör and his two children Freyr and Freya of Vanir, who live in Asgard after the peace treaty and the exchange of hostages. The realm is assumed to be a fertile and pleasant land of music and life. The Edei creation story calls to mind many other creation mythologies involving the dismemberment of primordial bodies to form the earth, including the early Celtic, Aztec, and Indian mythologies. The Celtic, Indian, and Norse creation myth connections can perhaps be traced to the common Indo-European heritage. The message of all of these mythologies as grim as they are, is the idea that the earth is built violently from a primordial reality, the spirit of which continues to live in it. In the case of the Norse mythology, the spirit of the ice giant Ymir and his dismemberment pervades a world that is doomed to undergo violent confrontations between the various levels of creation, ending in a cosmic cataclysm known as Ragnarok. That concludes the tale of the Norse. Please leave a feedback and a rating on whichever platform you use to listen to your podcasts. We'd love to hear from you on Twitter and Instagram. So join us by checking out the handle at storiesTHT. MDE US for both of those apps. Email us at info.storiesthatmadeus at gmail.com with your feedback, questions, or just to say hello. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again next week. Until then, it's goodbye. <laughs>